we have been in Matthew 10. If you want to take your Bible, if you have it with you, and you want to flip over there, of course, you know I'll put some words on the wall. But uh, let me kind of reset the stage for you because we've been in Matthew 10 for a couple of weeks. We're going to be there in a couple more weeks. If you look in Matthew 9 right before Matthew 10, we have this statement from Jesus that says you're to pray for workers to go out for the harvest. You've seen that in some other places because some of the other gospels record that same plea. But what's interesting when he says pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers, it goes into chapter 10 where Jesus is sending his disciples out for their first ministry trip or mission trip. So far, we've made our way down to verse 26, but just very quick recap, Jesus says, as you are going, proclaim the message. The message of the kingdom of God, that time letting them know that God is near, the kingdom is at hand, and of course with us, we know the end of the plan, right? That Jesus has come in the flesh, God made man, that he walked among men, that he died on a cross for our sin, to pay our sin debt, a covenantal sacrifice where God shed his own blood for our behalf, for us to be able to come into covenant with him. And that on the third day after his death, Jesus rose from the dead to show us that death has no hold on those who live for Jesus, live for God. And there is forgiveness in that covenant. It's a marvelous, marvelous coming of the kingdom Last week, as we went through that section, we talked about that Jesus never whitewashed what was going to happen. He was always clear in his, he said, they are not going to reject you, they are going to reject me, but you will face persecution. That will happen. It's not an if, it's a when. And if you think about it, you remember that the first uh, disciples, as you move through Acts, when they were persecuted, what did they do? They praised God because they didn't see it as a woe is me. They saw it as, as a stamp of approval. They saw it as being worthy to suffer for the name. We spoke about that last week. Today, we're going to look at 26 through 33. So read with me if you would. Jesus speaking said, So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. Those of us going through John, on Wednesday nights, you have this light, dark thing, right? This ought to be bringing some of that back to you. What is whispered in your ear, 
proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Let me take a second here. I wasn't planning to do this, but the word that's translated hell here is the word Gehenna. Jesus rarely spoke of Hades. You know Hades? Hades refers to the grave. Gehenna is the term that Jesus overwhelmingly uses that gets translated as hell. It's a variation on the valley of Gehinnom, which was the trash heap of Jerusalem, a valley where all kinds of refuse and stuff out of the city went to go and rot. That area where there were fires there all the time, where there was the stench of rotting flesh. Not a pretty picture. The other image that God, Jesus, gives us is that idea of the weeping and gnashing of teeth. That if you go to Gehenna, there will be this sense of having missed the grace that was available. That forever woulda, coulda, shoulda feeling. He is using a very strong image that related very much to his audience of that day. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. By the way, that caught my eye too. Joy, when she was reading over this section yesterday, said, By the way, did you notice that said your father? I said, yes, I noticed it. I will tell you what he is saying here is a plural you. Because in English, it can be singular or plural, right? This is a plural. So he's saying the father of you, your group, the father of the nation, the way the Jews typically understood it. And even the very heads of, uh, hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. A few things we can pull out of this. No big fancy stuff, no, no jokes today. I mean, I might be humorous, but I'm not going to you know, make you laugh because this is serious stuff. But a few things that we can pull from here. And it is either a blessing or a curse depending on where you are from. But the first thing that we can draw is that your father knows the truth. He knows everything about you. He knows who you are. 
today. He knows who you were in your past. He also knows what you are doing for him or what you are not doing for him. He knows in context you're going to be persecuted, but don't worry about that because he knows their hearts too. And he will deal with those that are persecuting. You know what this points to? This points to the fact that we have a living God. Not one made of stone or of metal or of wood. Inanimate. But one whose very spirit comes and inhabits the earth. His ruah, his breath, his spirit involved in creation. One who has given you your ruah. Your breath, your soul. One who continues in this world, who is aware and active and knows what is going on. One who knows the human heart as well. He knows your struggles. He knows your strength. He knows the truth. And he knows the motives of all human hearts. And specifically those who would persecute his family. He also tells us something very positive. They cannot end your life. A real and present fear for those first disciples that were sent out on that first ministry trip. And a real and present fear fear even today. This past week I did a little research just to kind of refresh my mind on things and I came about a article by Richard Hunt uh, called the Open Doors 2023 World Watch List, What Persecution Christians Face. This was written January of this year, January 2023. So it's the latest information that has been gathered. So gathered up and through and in 2022. Places around the world where Christians are facing ever-present persecution. Burma, Cambodia, China, Cuba, Indonesia, India, Iran, Laos, Libya, Morocco, Nigeria, North Korea, Pakistan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Syria, Turkey, Vietnam, Yemen, just to name a few. You might have noticed that's almost like A to Z, right? Uh, but, but I didn't go A to Z, I went B to Y <laughs> and just combined some in. In 1993, 30 years ago, there were 40 countries in the world that were actively pursuing persecution of Christians. Not necessarily the country, but people there involved. In 2023, that has risen to 73 different countries. And I just gave you about a third of them. 
76 countries where Christians experience high or extreme persecution. Globally, more than 360 million Christians suffer at least high or extreme levels of discrimination or persecution for their faith. And by their statistics, round numbers, about 6,000 Christians are killed annually for their faith. Does that sound like a real and present danger in our world today? Can I get a yes? And Jesus tells us, he shows us that life goes beyond what we see. Eternity is written in our hearts. We know that it is there. Yes, we will all die unless the Lord comes first. Some of you may die of natural causes. Some of you may die of environmental things. But there are people who may die at the hands of others. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, he said, Be confident of this. To be absent from the body is to what? To be with, to be with the Lord. In the face of persecution, just remember, they can kill your body, they cannot kill your life. They cannot kill your soul. Friends, saintly siblings, we need to care less about how we will die than about the fact that we will die. And when you do, where will your soul preside? Ask yourself, am I living with an earthly perspective or with an eternal one? And I know that can be sobering. But remember this. Jesus reminds us that you are more valuable than anything else in the whole universe. Your father has been by your side every day of your life. He has been to every game, every recital, every class you ever attended, every customer you've ever visited, every single piece of pie you ever scarfed down. He was there when your child was born. He was there when you fell and skinned your knee. He was there at every job interview he was there on every date that you ever went out on and he was even there in every family argument your father has heard every prayer has heard every praise and has heard every struggle that you have ever lifted up 
to him. He cares so much about you that he is watching all the time. There to encourage. There to teach. Why? Not to manipulate you. But because he chose to love you. And he wants you to choose to love him. Isn't that a marvelous thought in the midst of Jesus talking about people wanting to kill his followers? Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? In fact, our biggest weapon against fear is Jesus, knowing that Jesus has our back. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 8, he is standing at the right hand of God and is actually pleading for us in that great celestial courtroom people have tried to imagine how that would be on many different ways uh, and, and, and that idea you know before somebody dies their life flashes before their eyes there, there's some thought about that you know in that celestial courtroom that, that you'll be standing there and your light will flash before your eyes and friends you may feel a whole bunch of guilt in that moment But if you have come into covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ, if you have taken on the name, you have been baptized and washed your sins away, and you rose and you lived a new life, not a perfect life, but a new life, rest assured that Jesus will be standing there And when those charges come, he will step forward and say, this one is mine. We don't have to have fear in Christ. I'm reminded of the psalmist David back in Psalm 34 these words glorify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together I sought the Lord and he answered me he delivered me from all of my fears the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him he delivers them so how big of a factor is fear and whether or not you will tell others about the hope that you have. Just to yourself, think, zero to ten, just scale it. How big of a factor is fear and whether or not you tell others of the hope that you have? What really holds you back? Is it a fear of failure? If you 
have to be afraid of that. All you have to do is be willing to tell people what you know, how being connected with Jesus has changed your life. It is not your job to convict. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. So the only way we fail is if we just don't let Christ come out of us. Maybe it's the fear of embarrassment or fear of social rejection. Maybe simply it's the fear of not being liked. Or the fear of losing your family. We talked about that last week. For some people, that's real. But you know, Jesus said that we do not have to fear any of these things. In fact, what he said was, is you should expect them to happen. They come with the territory. Or maybe you have a fear of being found out a sinner and a fraud. Your preacher is a sinner. Your preacher does not live a sinless life. Your preacher lives a changed life. My focus is on moving closer and closer and closer to Jesus. I do that with imperfection, but my trajectory is toward the Lord. What's your life's trajectory? Do you have fear of being found a sinner and a fraud? Because you know that others already know that your talk doesn't match your walk? You can change that, you know. You can change that today. Or is it because... You are really, truly afraid to die to yourself and to this world. To give yourself over to God. The thing is, you remember we were going through that series, Not a Fan, here just a couple of months ago. Kyle Eidelman points out in that series, not a fan, that dying to self is not an option. It is a requirement of those who are going to become followers of Jesus. Not just fans, but followers. Jesus goes on to say, But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. And the question came to my mind, 
What does disowning actually mean? Does it mean that or involve cursing God? Or can it simply mean not stepping up for him? It's a question worth contemplating. I like what James wrote. James 4.17. James records this. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Matthew 25. Uh, There's some parables going on there um, about the kingdom uh, the things that will come. And, and there's this parable that keeps coming back to mind about a, about a servant who doesn't serve and about others who do serve and what they have is doubled and tripled, quadrupled, ten times over. And that parable The idea is to try to be the good and faithful servant. Yes? That good and faithful servant is told by his master, well done. Well done. Friend, do you want to hear well done? To come and delight into your father's forgiveness? Friend, God loves you more than life itself and he proved it by dying for your sin. Are you willing to love God more than life itself? Jesus is calling you to follow him Holy, completely, without any hesitation or reservation. To face your fear with the strength of his ever-present Holy Spirit being with you and in you. He is calling you, my sibling saint, to count the cost and to stand up and go to work. Father God, we thank you for the times in Scripture where you point to the positive, where you point to the things that touch our heart, where we see where you and your word and your spirit is salve. It's a balm of healing to our souls. And Father, we thank you also that you give us the privilege of being part of your plan, part of spreading your good news about your kingdom and its coming. And we thank you, Father, that 
you give us the whole truth and that you allow us to make our own decisions. Not without knowledge, but with the decision, not just of the heart, but of the will. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, those that are watching online. May we all seek to be men and women who understand your grace, your mercy, and are willing to extend that to a world that needs to know it. As we come to this time of decision, as we come to this time of action, Father, I pray that your spirit will be listening to our hearts, that you will comfort those that need comforting, that you will challenge those of us that need to be challenged. We thank you, Father, for your undying love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.